The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Oh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, just stick up your hand. We're going to be in it. We've got Bibles uh, there for you. You can keep it if you don't have one. Lonnie back there has got those in sermon notes, so just stick up your hand. Matthew 6 and those Bibles is on page 473. If you need help finding it, it's the first book in the New Testament. And it's where we will be this morning. So as we begin and as we get into God's word, uh, you may be turning there, but I need you to get your thumbs ready. Not because we're going to play video games, but because we're going to do thumb gauge. So pick your good thumb. Everyone, we love uh, participation here. Okay, so get your thumb. And just as you think about your summer overall, since like the school year ended back in the, you know, the first part of June to today, give me a thumb gauge on how your summer has been. Like straight up is super awesome. This is, it was the worst summer of my life and here's somewhere in between. Just overall, how was it? Kind of somewhere in between? All right. How about, give me now a little thumb gauge, just thinking on the fun scale. Like, I got to have fun, man. This was, I had so much fun this summer too. This was like, it was a super lame summer on the fun scale. Somewhere in between, yeah, all right, Some, no, no, no fun at all. All right, how about this last one here? How about on the faith scale? Like up here was super awesome, growing in the Lord to stagnant. All right, come on, keep them, don't, we're, we value honesty here, it's okay, we value transparency, nobody's judging, I'm not like saying, mm, yes, uh, don't worry, just help us to examine where we're at. See, summer is one of those times where it's a great blessing to get a breather from the routine, the grind that the school year can bring, isn't it? And we go on vacation, we, uh, we, we take fun trips, we have our kids home, and it's a great time to just take a deep breath. And yet with the break, the routine or the break from the routine really can derail us from all the habits all the good things that we put into place like healthy eating habits we come to the summer and we just kind of like that just goes by the wayside all of our working out all those things just kind of we break the habit and the same can be true of our spiritual habits we can get into a routine when week after week it's the same and then we come and we go on vacation and then we come back and just our whole schedule, everything has been knocked off the rails. Or maybe we do really well for nine months or a certain period of time and then something happens, we go on a work trip or something just offsets it and then we really just have trouble regaining the momentum of getting back in with the Lord. And because of that, because of the real, reality of that, and if you're kind of feeling that this season, it's like, okay, it's been the summer, it's been good, but I'm ready for some routine. I'm ready for schedule. Just because of that, here we are these next two weeks, we're going to hit the reset button in our walk with the Lord. We're going to hit the reset button of cultivating the faith that we have and that we know and love, but can sometimes neglect those disciplines specifically of prayer and our Bible intake. And so the next two weeks, today and next week, are going to be super practical, and I hope also affection-stirring as we reset. There's not going to be any browbeating, no guilt-tripping on these things of what you have not done, but really just a reset to take us back to that initial love that we have for Christ and increase our desire to be with him more 
than anything else. And so that's where we are going to be now. And so today we reset our prayer life. We reset our time with the Lord. And where else could we turn but to Jesus himself and his instructions in the Lord's prayer. So if you haven't, turn there to Matthew 6. This is right in the middle of what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, it's the king's sermon. It's the best sermon ever preached. And it's more than just a code of ethics. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 uh, is this big sermon that Jesus is preaching, this message that he's giving. But what he does is he systematically takes us through the Christian life and he cuts to the heart. He's not just after behavior modification. He's not just after a list of do's and don'ts. As a matter of fact, he confronts those things, the appearance, the outward appearance of religiosity, and he cuts to the heart because, see, what Christ is after is heart transformation. He wants hearts that are more on fire for him. And so when we get to this section today, in chapter 6, verse 5, he gets to prayer. He wants us to have this awe-inducing sense of, I get to pray. That's really the theme of our message today. If you're taking notes, if you're writing in your Bible, write this simple phrase down. I get to pray. You're going to see why that's important as we read it and then look a little bit closer at it. So let's read it now. Turn there. Matthew 6, we'll pick it up in verse 5 and read to verse 13. Listen as I read. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. And so as we look at this passage and the question before us or the thought before us today is how to have a quality prayer time. It begins with, verse 5, it begins by preparing your heart. Let's look a little closer at our passage now and, uh, and walk through it here in three different sections. But first, if you want to have a quality prayer time, if you want to cultivate this sense of I get to pray, it begins by preparing your heart. And what Jesus is doing here as he's teaching, he's giving us some contrast. He's saying, don't pray like this, but rather do pray like this. And he uses these familiar examples to the original audience there. In Jesus' day, the religious types had established this system of prayer, of, of writing out these prayers that they would pray every day at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 p.m. 
And I'm sure it started as a God-honoring, heart-filled way to pray, but it had quickly become a show. It had quickly become something that they wanted others to see them doing. And so here's what the hypocrites would do. As they were going about their day, they would plan their day and orchestrate it so that at 9 o'clock and at noon and at 3 o'clock, they would just happen to be somewhere prominent where people would see them. Like at the synagogue, you know, the religious center of the city. Or at a busy street corner where crowds were passing and people were going by. And so the, common, the practice was at 9, noon, and 3, wherever you were, you would just stop and pray these written, ritualistic type of prayers. Great. But what were they after? Whose audience were they seeking? The fathers? Whose audience were they seeking? The crowd, the people around them. And so they orchestrated their day. They planned their schedule that just at 9 o'clock, well, we happen to be right downtown at the square. Praying these loud prayers, putting on this show so they would be seen by the crowd. Where passerbys would think, wow, that person's really spiritual. That person is really religious. To which Jesus says, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't pray like that guy. See, when I was at Moody Bible Institute training to be a pastor, there was uh, also worship leaders, young aspiring worship leaders, that would gather in the plaza of our campus. And so Moody's like a typical college campus with uh, lots of you know, tall buildings where the student center and dormitories and all that, and then this nice grassy plaza and all this stuff. And young aspiring worship leaders would just happen to place themselves with their guitar in the plaza when unsuspecting young ladies would come by, see how dreamy he was on his guitar, and stop to worship the Lord. Don't be that guy. Just the same Jesus saying, don't pray like these guys. Rather, how are we to pray? Jesus paints a very contrasting picture of praying here to the crowd in secret with an audience of one. He says here, go in your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret, verse 6 says. And so does that mean that we can't pray out loud in public? Does that mean things like that are off limits to us? No, 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 don't get, um, don't, don't get hung up on that. It's not the form that he's talking about. It's the function. It's the heart. It's the heart. Who do we desire to please? Who are we doing this for? Who are we praying to? For the public? No, to the Lord. And it's helpful here just to define what prayer is. Sometimes we maybe are just a little off in what we think. That prayer is simply talking with God. It's communing with God. And when we have that before us, just the, the very nature of that, the hypocrite doesn't understand that. The hypocrite gets caught up in the form like, okay, I have to do this. People will see me. I'll be uh, seen as somebody who is really spiritual the hypocrite wants to look good in front of others and so says, go pray in front of a crowd. There's your reward. You will be seen and people will think that. But the humble just wants her quality time with her dad. And when we understand what prayer is, that we get to pray, that the God of the universe has made himself accessible to us, this changes the way we approach prayer. This changes our heart. This is where we can prepare our heart to say, God, I, I don't deserve an audience with you. 
And yet you delight to hear from me. You want to spend time with me. And so the humble seeks the Lord out and he is there, always there. And that is her reward. It's your reward by seeking the Father who sees in secret and will reward you. And so as we are here to reset our prayer life, let me just ask you this. Where's your heart in regards to these things? In regards to prayer, just as you think about prayer, where's your heart in this? Where is it on this kind of continuum that Jesus is setting up for us here? You know, when you think about my prayer life, are you somewhere as, I have an arrogant heart? A heart that wants to be seen by others? A heart that's just kind of hardened, like, I don't need that. Prayer's for sissies. Maybe it's an apathetic heart. Maybe it's just like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't really see the point of it. I don't, I don't really know. Just kind of apathetic in these things. Where's your heart one that says, I get to pray? God delights in me. I have unlimited, unhindered access to the God of the universe. I get to pray. Where's your heart on this continuum? As you think about it, be honest. Be honest. Write it down in your notes. You know, God already knows your heart, so it's no sense in lying to him or to yourself. But as we come to prayer and you prepare your heart, where is it? And as you desire to move on the continuum towards authenticity, just pray simply and ask God to do that. So God, this is, I recognize my heart is somewhere in over here. I'm cold. I'm cold towards you, Lord. I'm hardened and I want to be warmed. I want to be softened. I want to be moldable. I want to delight to be in your presence. I want to delight in you. You can pray as David prayed in Psalm 139. It's a great place to, to begin that prayer. As you pray, God, would you move my heart closer down the continuum to authenticity? Pray like this. David prays this way in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And as you do so, God, and his kindness will be so good to meet with you and to help push you along in his kindness, leading to repentance down that continuum towards authenticity, <clears throat> towards authenticity. So if you want to have a quality prayer life, it begins, Jesus says, it begins by preparing your heart, examining your heart. Where are you? But it doesn't stop there because look where verse 7 goes. He says, starts with the heart and it moves to the head. So we are also to prepare our minds. We prepare our minds, verses 7 and 8. And so Jesus, again, he is using a contrast here. He's using an example that they would know and that they would have seen, and he compares it to a right way to pray. And so he says, don't pray, don't heap up these empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And so Gentiles is just a, a common phrase in that time to say everybody who was non-Jewish. Okay? And uh, there's a practice that they would heap up these repetitive, meaningless babble. In Greek, it's the word batalageo. In common jargon, it's saying a whole lot of nothing. 
saying a whole lot of nothing. It's, it's just a repetitive, meaningless babble. And so the practice in those days was saying these ritualistic phrases and prayers over and over. That was really just more mind-numbing than anything else. And they thought the gods would hear them because of how long they would say these things over and over. If they would just say it over and over and over, then finally the gods would relent. It's kind of like when a, a, a parent of a, a toddler's coming and begging for something. They're begging for a snack and they're just saying, snack, mommy, 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 snack, 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 mommy, mommy, snack. Can I have a snack, snack, mommy, mommy, snack, snack. And you're like, no, you can't have a snack. Mommy, mommy, snack, 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 mommy. And finally... How many moms in the house are like, yes, I just give them the snack just so they will be quiet. But thankfully, we don't have to beg the Lord like a toddler in that way. Just meaningless, repetitive babble as they thought in those days. But you know what? The practice is still around today. The practice is not, there are these ritualistic, repetitious prayers that some traditions prescribe. Oh, you sinned in this way, well, pray this thing, you know, six times and you'll be okay. There's the unintelligible babble that is mistakenly thought sometimes to be like a private prayer language or the tongues of angels that, which scripture really gives no credence to. That's not, it's just the empty phrases heaped up like the Gentiles do that the scripture actually warns against that Jesus is saying, don't pray that way. There's also the, the lofty, long-winded prayers, you know, the churchy type prayers that kind of drone on and on and on that just kind of shows like how much Christianese somebody can speak, all right? Some of these things, like they're still around here and Jesus is warning, saying, hey, don't pray that way. Don't, don't pray that way. Rather, rather have your mind engaged. It's not the volume, it's not the, the length of our prayers, it is the mind that we bring to the Father. Because see, look what verse 8, what he appeals to, what the contrast is. He's saying, don't pray this way, rather, you should already know that your Father in heaven is omniscient. He knows everything anyways. And so he's, it's, it's interesting here because he doesn't just give like a specific way to pray. He's not saying, hey, don't pray these long, repetitious, meaningless prayers. Rather, just pray short, pithy popcorn prayers. He doesn't say that. Rather, he, he just appeals to this omniscience of God that he already knows. And we know this. When we're praying, we're not informing God of anything, are we? He already knows it. And so prayer, what is it for? It's for us. Prayer is more for us. Rather, It's not just informing God of the needs that we have or how great he is. Rather, it's for us to remind our own minds and hearts of just who God is and where our help comes from. And as we submit our own lives to that understanding that God is the all-knowing one, God is the all-powerful one, our minds are engaged in that. And so we can pray powerful, God-honoring, authentic prayers and so this understanding of who God is shouldn't repel us from prayer she's like well God you know everything so why do I have to pray yeah that keeps their heart and mind over here in the arrogant uh, uh, apathetic thing and rather he's saying no 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 that should move you towards authenticity as we recognize I don't know everything I don't have it all together I need God's help Rather, God knows the way forward, just what we need, and ask, and what does he do? He freely gives. You need wisdom, James says? Just ask, and he will give it to you. 
So when we prepare our mind, you come to pray with this truth, telling the Lord not to remind him, but to remind yourself. Praying in this way is is a, a reminder, like Paul says, to set our minds on things above. Hear this from Colossians 3, 1 and 2. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ... It's a a way to say, if you are saved, if you are a Christian, if you have been given access to the Father through Christ. See, these type of prayers are only available to those who are saved. He's saying, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. See, picture it this way, this beautiful picture. We pray to the Father, Father in heaven, but it's through Christ, who is our mediator. Christ is our access. So we speak to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to the Father who ordains all things. In verse 2, it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are earth and on the earth. So as we come to pray and we prepare our minds, we come so with minds engaged. But we're an easily distracted people, aren't we? How many of you get that? You like pray, you have great intentions, you come, you pray, you're before the Lord, and then all of a sudden you're thinking about, oh yeah, that thing is due today at work. Wait, what was I praying about again? You're praying, you're praying here. And next thing from the next room, you hear, Mom! All right, Lord. All right, kids, what's going on? You know, who gets distracted that way? Or we're praying and it's great. And, you know, we keep a list on our phone and we're praying and we're seeking the Lord. And then all of a sudden, ding, little banner header pops up from your best friend. You got to answer it. Thanks for uh, interrupting my prayer time. But we're easily distracted, aren't we? We're easily distracted from the things that we pray. Some that are good, some that we just can't help, and other ways we just come because our mind isn't in what it's engaged. We come to it with the wrong thinking. So what is it that distracts you? Your phone, kids, work, because you're hungry, you're in the midst of a trial, you're tired. What is it that distracts your mind from praying? Well, here's some help in this. Here's some help. The best way is to get a plan and get a place and to just embrace the distractions. And even as the distractions come and kids yell, let it be a way that motivates you to pray for your kids. God, thank you that these kids, that I have these, that you've given me these kids as a gift. Lord, they are a gift from you, so help me to raise them. God, let me not be angry. Help me to be patient, exercise those things. God, thank you for this job, this task that you have before me, the way that it provides. God, I see it as a good thing from you. But when we have a place, we have a plan before us, we see those little indicators, those things that might distract us and derail us as a way that actually brings us into closer communion with the Lord. Let's be helpful uh, to one another in this. Because we know that it can be, a, it, it, we get distracted all the time. Small group members help one another out in this. As you say, okay, I have a place, I have a plan. I want to, I'm going to spend in the morning as I'm driving to work, I'm going to spend it in prayer there. Will you help me, uh, small group partner, to, uh, to hold to this? Text me tomorrow and make sure that I've done it. Spouses, help one another in this. Set aside time. Here, dads, you want to know uh, the best way to help your wife cultivate this? To, to prepare her mind, to reset her prayer life? Give her the space. Watch the kids for a 20-minute, 30-minute. You can do it. You can do it, dads. You can do it. 20, 30 minutes where you have the kids undistracted from mom where you are there. And if they ask, where's mommy? Then you just tell them, hey, she's got a meeting with Jesus that you cannot interrupt. 
and that'll be discipling your children in a way that you uh, can't even understand the profound impact that will have going forward. That they see this is mommy's time with the Lord. Husbands, dads, help cultivate and prepare and carve out that room so your wife can pray. Where her mind can be engaged, where it won't be distracted. When we reset our prayer life, begins preparing our heart, begins by praying, preparing our mind, and also by preparing our mouth. I'm not sure what to pray. Maybe that's what's derailed you. You're like, you know, I've tried it. I just, I don't know what to pray. I don't have a plan. I don't know how. Well, Jesus takes care of that for us. He says there in verse 9 through 13, he says, pray then like this. And what's so profound is that he lays out this incredible prayer in just over 50 words. And it's about the same in Greek and in English here. It's about 50 words, which we can really then break into five categories to form our own prayers. If you want a quality time in prayer with the Father, pray then like this. And it begins not with just our laundry list, but look how it begins in verse 9. It begins with his name praised. Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy or majestic be your name. As you come to pray, acknowledge him as such, as the good Father who provides all that you need. When we come to that, like, he, he is a, he's, he's, he's good. He's our provider. He's our sustainer. He's our protector. He's our cover. He's our head. And so acknowledge him as such, holy, focusing on his characteristics, his attributes, that he is a part. And so as you, become to, as you come to pray before the Lord, just praise him. Begin by ascribing to him the glory that is due his name. And what a better way to do that than come to the scriptures and those passages that describe just who God is. Read that passage. Get your heart, your mind, your mouth focused on God first and not on yourself. And so you begin by just his name praised. Second, his purpose is advanced. Look what verse 10 says. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is in contrast to my kingdom coming and my will being done. Because that's far too often the problem that we want. In our marriages, things go sideways, as Paul Triple say, because I'm trying to establish my own kingdom. I'm the king or the queen of my life, and I want everybody else to be subject to it, and I want things to go my way. My will be done. And Christ is here teaching us to pray in a different way. God's purpose is advanced in my life. Instead of praying, God, I really want this job. I mean, you can tell him that, but I want your will to be done. I want to be in a place where I can glorify you the best, where I can use my skill, the talent that you've given me for your glory. God, would you do this? There's a hint of an expectation of the Lord's return in here. We pray that way, not just because God is holy and we want to glorify him, we want to turn our attention vertical, but we're also expectant of his return and we realize there's some urgency that Christ is going to return and I don't have much time here to be living for him, sharing the gospel, doing all these things. God is going to come back. God is reigning. Christ is reigning with the Father on his throne now over his universal kingdom. And we are praying that one day he will come back and he will set up his earthly reign here on earth. And we long for that day, don't we? We long for the day of Christ's return where all the wrongs will be right, where Jesus will return and rule and reign just as it was promised what we just saw a couple weeks ago in Genesis 49, that that scepter would not 
depart from Judah's line, from the lion, from the tribe of Judah, Christ himself who will return. We want God's purposes advanced in our own life. That's how we pray. His name praised, his purposes advanced, and then, verse 11, then our needs met. Asking God for the provision that we need. And how often do we need his provision? Give us this day, today, today. We need to pray regularly because today I need your provision, Lord. Yes, our pantry may be full of food now. But apart from Christ, that pantry would have nothing in it. Today, God, I need your help. Today is a new day, and just as I need physical nourishment to keep me going today, to give me the energy and the strength that I need to serve you, so I need a fresh dose of spiritual energy to honor you today. We pray, God, meet our needs. These are prayers of supplication. And they usually are the things that dominate our lists, aren't they? As we come before the Lord, it's asking for this and that, all those things. And that is good. As we express our dependence, but I just point out here, it gets one line in Jesus' full prayer. Our needs met in the only one who can truly meet them. And then he moves to our sin forgiven. First ours. First ours, forgive us our debt, or forgive us our sin, our sin against God. And then we extend it. Out of the overflow of us knowing our forgiveness, we then forgive those who sin against us. 14 and 15, I didn't read them earlier, but they extend it. They, they expand upon this thing. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses or their sin, their debt, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Those are pretty startling words, aren't they? We who are forgiven forgive the most. God's forgiven us our sin. We can forgive anything that's been done to us. And so our prayers, God, I confess that I've sinned in this way, that I haven't been a good steward of, the, of, of what you've given me, that I've looked at things that I should not have. I've said things that I know that I should not. God, would you forgive me my sin? And would you help me to forgive those that have hurt me in the same way, who've said something uh, uh, very offensive, done something, God, our sins forgiving and this is really the ongoing prayer of the christian life we pray this it's not just obviously it's the way we begin the christian life by asking god to forgive our sin i pray that you've done that that's how the christian life begins by just recognizing i've offended you god and my only way to be forgiven is through jesus christ and so I need your help. And that's the way we begin. And I pray if you've not begun that, that you would do it even today. That this would be the nature of your prayers today. But it is the ongoing nature of the Christian life to continue to repent of the things that dishonor the Lord and hurt one another. So we pray, we pray in this way. And it ends by saying our paths protected. Our paths protected. Here's where he prays in verse 13 for safety. Spiritual safety, that is. It's good to pray for traveling mercies and all those things. Be saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's better to pray for these spiritual mercies. Keep me from sin while I'm away on this trip. Help me to be accountable while I'm away. Instead of praying, just God, give me traveling mercies. There's a profound thing in here. God, would you keep me from this? 
and praying that our great delight would be in the Lord and not in the temporary appeal of those things that will not ultimately satisfy. God, would you protect our paths? You know, if you've had trouble praying or you just got out of routine, you've never uh, started one because you don't know what to say, here's your help. And isn't Christ so kind to just give us a template that would last throughout the generations? Isn't he so kind here? We have the Lord's Prayer here that he has given us to just say, hey, pray this way. You want to pray in a way that honors the Lord, that humbles your own heart? Then pray like this. Use this as a template. Here's the way to know the Father. This is the Father's love language. To spend that quality time with him, to give him the words of affirmation, to the gift of his presence and your presence, the, uh, the this acts of service and devotion. Here is the way to love the Lord. So as we reset our prayer life, as we reset in this season, as we're going into the fall, we want to be strong in our walk with the Lord. We want to be intimate in our time with him. Here is our plan. Here's how we pray. And to help you with that, we've adapted and created a helpful tool for you that I want to show you. Take a second here. If you're on the inside aisle, there's some sheets of paper right there. Mine's folded up, but it looks like this. And so if you're closest to that, grab them and pass them down to the people that are in your aisle. Just grab them. They're right there under that black book. So you might have to get up, but just grab them. If there's not enough for the people on your row, just stick up your hand and our ushers have plenty more. But uh, this is something that was uh, given to us while we were at the Church Planter Training Center. And uh, my wife is super creative and has uh, prettied it up. And, and uh, we've made a few changes and adaptations to it. But there's two sides to it as well. We're on the prayer side. Next week is the flip side. where we So bring this back. Bring it back. You can fold it. See, I folded mine like this because it sticks in my Bible real nice. And it's uh, is a good bookmark. Next week will be on the opposite side. Okay? We'll be on, on this side. And uh, so bring it back with you because uh, we're going to talk about our time in God's word and resetting that. But today, just to help you, we've got it. Keep this in. On one side is uh, daily prayers. And throughout it, there's some ways to pray uh, through portions of scripture. There's the way to prepare yourself that you'll see there. And there's even a, an explanation on the first little column there of the difference between disciplined prayer and dependent prayer. And so some of you may be thinking, well, I do pray. I pray all the time. Like some of you have that habit, like just as you're going on with your day, that unceasing prayer of, uh, hey, you're in the midst of something. God, I need your help in this. You're walking into a meeting at work. God, I need your help in this. You're walking into class. God, I need your help in this. You're somewhere. You're just like, Lord, get me out of this mess. Or Lord, you pray those type of prayers, just those on the go. Those are those dependent prayers. That, that is also an aspect of our Christian life. Today, specifically, what we're talking about is our disciplined prayer that the scripture talks about. Time, a place, a plan where we go before the Father, humbling ourselves before him with our list here, these disciplined prayers on our knees at a specific time versus the dependent prayer that's on the go. And so what I want to challenge us to do this week as you hit the reset button, I want you to get your, you have a plan. Here's your prayer list on here. It has every day, has something to pray. Even today, Sunday, there's everyday things, Sunday, tomorrow, Monday. There are certain things to pray for at that time. So get a plan. Here it is. Get your place. Get your time. And see what the Lord does as you commit to time with him. And I'm not saying you necessarily have to pray for an hour. 
Here was 50 words that Christ said is the most profound prayer. You want to pray? Pray like this. It might be a couple minutes. But it's a disciplined crying out to the Lord for the things that we've just seen. And you can pray these five things. Pray for the specifics on this list. But pray in this way. Prepare your mouth as you hit the reset button. I would encourage you to open up your Bible as you're with it. Maybe have a journal. Record God's answers. And just see what God will do in your life as you have this mentality, this hard affection. I get to pray. I get to. I get to spend time with the Father. And when we have that, this is a game changer, beloved. That when we begin this way, it is a game changer. It has to be our heart's starting place as we reset, and then everything else will fall into place. I get to pray is what keeps us coming back to the Lord. I get to pray even when we've missed or it's been a long time or it's maybe a discipline that we've never ever started. This is what keeps us coming back. It's not, I'm guilted to pray. Oh, I have to do this. I feel guilty, but it's a, I get to, beloved. Don't forget this, that the God of the universe went to great lengths to talk to you. He could have stayed wholly apart from us, and yet he condescended to us, sending his own son through Christ to die on the cross that we might be connected to him. It is Christ that is our access to the Father. He went to great lengths to make that happen to you. He's not just some petulant boyfriend or girlfriend that's holding you in contempt because you skipped a date or you stood him or her up. Rather, he's an affectionate father that's always available, always inviting us in, staying up late to hear our concerns, and is in the trenches fighting our battles, is there with the plan before we even know we need to make a plan. I get to pray. I get to pray is our enduring motivation because here's the thing, beloved. Jesus is the only one worthy to be sought. Every other pursuit of your life, every other thing that you may do, everything that you discipline yourself, your physical habits, your eating habits, your, your work habits, your, the disciplines, all of those things are secondary to the fact that God in heaven loves you. And you get that. You get to pray. No one else, no one else is more deserving of our attention and our affection than he is because he is worthy and we have that undeserved privilege of knowing and communing with him. Isn't that profound? I get to pray. And so as we close... I want us to do something. Maybe you've done this in other traditions, but I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. I want us to do it not just in a ritualistic, kind of monotone way, but with some life and some vitality in our voice. It's not necessarily about the cadence of reading this together, but it's about the things that we are praying, that our, our hearts are prepared and our minds are prepared, and now our mouth is prepared because Christ has given us this way to pray. And so I've got the verses on the screen here in the English Standard Version. Some of you maybe have memorized this in other versions, but I want us to now go ahead and let's stand up, and I want us to pray this. Let's pray it together, and then the worship team is going to lead us as we uh, close in song. Shall we pray it together now? 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this last song together.